It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the basketball fanatic, Jay Smoove. You guys can find him on Twitter at Smoove underscore 702. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Smoove, here we go. NBA Tuesday. NBA Monday's all wrapped up. We got all the final scores here. We got one, two, three, four games right now on pregame.com. If you guys go to the Game Center, you guys can go in and get the NBA lines for tomorrow. There are a couple games here right now that do not have any lines. And we're going to go ahead. We're going to preview one of those games first uh, between the Pelicans and the Trail Blazers. So we were just talking about this one where we were kind of debating on where we think this total may come out. We're thinking anywhere maybe, you know, 238, maybe all the way up to like 241. And uh, some of these 240 totals, you know, th- maybe they are scaring betters, but we have one today, 245 between the Bucks and the Wizards. That game went over. And we had spoke a little bit about the Pelicans and Blazers uh, right before we jumped in this podcast. That the last time these teams played, they put up like 250 points. So I'm not sure which direction you're going in that one. What are you thinking about Pelicans and Blazers? Um, I would look to play over again. Um like you mentioned already, you know, the total might be coming around um, in north of 237. That's what the total was on the uh, 17th when they played last. But, you know, would they get uh, C.J. McCollum back in the lineup? Um, he's expected to play. You know, he's not uh, – it's been reported he's not on the injury list. So with him in the lineup, that gives the Blazers another, you know, offensive weapon, you know, to help out Dame, who's been carrying the load since he's been out. Plus, you know, C.J. McCollum isn't that great of a def- uh, defender, a lot like Dame. So, you know, it improves, you know, offense and, you know, hurts defense again. You know, these teams, again, they like to, you know, one likes to get up and down, you know, in the young team in the Pelicans and the Blazers, you know, they take, they take their chances, you know, to get up and down. But, you know, in the half court, you know, now they don't have to uh, focus on, you know, just Dame, you know, now that C.J. will be back. And, you know, these two, these teams, you know, over the last 10 matchups, you know, they've, uh, the overs cash, you know, seven out of, uh, seven out of 10 times. And in that last matchup, you know, when they combined to go for 250 points, you know, both teams shot, you know, 50%, um, or better from the field and over 40% from the three point line. And they both got up about 90 shot, uh, shot attempts. So I would just look to, you know, play the over if it's anything less than, you know, 243, 245. Um, I look to play, I look to play that total over. It's crazy how these games are just, the scoring in these games are just absolutely insane. Uh, there is a line right now, actually. Uh, they have the Blazers minus one. I don't know, man. I don't know how you feel about the Blazers, but I think McCollum being out for that amount of time, you know, that, that could create maybe a little bit of a hiccup in the offense. I think the Blazers, uh, I don't want to say they need they need scoring off the bench because I think Melo's been, you know, doing his thing. Trent's been kind of doing his thing. I don't know. I just worry if it throws a little bit of a hiccup into that Blazers offense. And I like what the Pelicans have been doing as of late. I mean, I think they're playing much better. I think a lot of it has to do with Lonzo um, is, is kind of doing his thing. You know, Zion's not. You know, he, he's coming in a form where I think he understands what his game is and where it belongs. Um, it's an, it's not anywhere near the three-point line. No, he's not out there taking bad shots, which, um, you know, is going to equate to 
you know, higher, you know, higher percentage shots, especially for him and, you know, positive result for the Pelicans each time up and down the floor. Um, I, I don't have any problem playing that over, but I kind of lean here a little bit to the Pelicans. You know, how do you feel about that team? Like what you've seen with them? Oh, maybe we'll just say like over like the last three weeks. Do you think that they're kind of rounding in the form a little bit? Yeah, I think they're getting um, used uh, used to uh, Stan Van Gundy's uh, coaching and what he wants them to do or how he wants them to play, you know, on a night-to-night basis. They're coming off a really big win, um, blowing out the Clippers at home in their last game. Now they had a little bit of a, a little bit of help, you know, with the Clippers without Patrick Beverly and Serge Ibaka only played about five or eight minutes in that game, and he was out, but. You know, got to give credit to the Pelicans because, you know, they took advantage, you know, of the opportunity when it presented itself. The player that's not getting, you know, talked about as much now, you know, as he used to before Zion showed up, you know, Lonzo Ball, you know, he's been really consistent with his game and more importantly with his jump shot on the outside, you know, knocking down some three-point shots and, you know, even looking to be, you know, more aggressive on the offensive end, you know, taking the shots when they present themselves. You know, early in his career, you know, he would pass up a lot of shots because he wasn't confident in his jumper. But, you know, now when you see the ball swung to him, you know, he steps up and he's knocking them down at a high clip. And, you know, credit, you know, you know, Brandon Ingram as well, you know, playing really, playing really well. And they're, you know, doing all this without one of their better players, one of their better shooters. And J.J. Reddick, you know, who's missed a few games and probably going to miss a few more. I think he's dealing with either a heel or a back issue. Uh, but that young trio that they have, um, I think that's – I personally think that's something that they can build around if they were to keep all those guys together, you know, but lately been seeing rumors of them, you know, uh, wanting to trade Lonzo and, you know, use Zion more as the point forward like they've been doing you know, the last few games. But I think that this uh, trio can play well off one another. But, you know, just getting back to, you know, the Blazers with C.J. McCollum coming back, like you said, that could be a little bit of a hiccup, you know, with the offensive rhythm, given how much time he missed. But, you know, just watching, you know, a couple of guys, you know, over the last couple of nights that's missed a lot of time, one being Karis LeVert, um, you know, he stepped in and played really well with the Pacers, and he hadn't played since, like, the second week of January. And these guys, they just don't, you know, get thrown right into the mix. Um, you know, they do some individual work. They practice a little bit, get their win back, and try to get some rhythm back. Um, you know, you know, running some, you know, scrimmages during, you know, the practice time that they do have. Um, so I think anything that, you know, McCullum can give them will be a bonus because a lot of teams, you know, lately, you know, it hasn't been working in, in terms of stopping them. But a lot of teams have been keying in, you know, and trying to take away Dame. So, you know, with CJ back and then you have Gary Trent, you know, uh, shooting the ball as well as he's been and, you know, Melo playing at the level he's playing. And I think that their offense should, you know, continue to roll as well as the Pelicans uh, offense continue to roll too. You know, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, you know, McCollum's been with them long enough to where maybe it'll be kind of like a seamless entry right back into the starting lineup where it's like, you know, there's no hiccup there. Then you also have to consider the fact that, he's probably going to give them a big boost, you know, mentally. The fact that he's back out there on the floor, everybody can kind of assume their role. And maybe that kind of ignites, you know, the Blazers to go 
maybe on a little bit of a run um, that they kind of need right now. So uh, where I think they're like sitting on like the, the fifth seat or something like that. But I don't know. The more I think about it, maybe maybe I was just jumping the gun a little bit with the Pelicans. I do like what Van Gundy's been doing, though. I mean, we see some of these older coaches that have been around for a while, you know, and they, they tend to just sit, you know, sit on the sideline and, and kind of just, you know, coach from the chair. But, you know, he's up. He's in the guy's ears all the time. He, he seems like he's really positive, um, trying to encourage these guys to go ahead and get better. I agree with what you said is I think if you if you at least if you keep Lonzo, you know, Zion and Ingram together, um, that's a really good core, and I think that they could fill out the rest of the roster. Um, I think there's players, you know, they can go ahead and kind of shift to the bench um, that could, you know, potentially be there for a little while. And maybe if they can go in and get, you know, a vet, I think they really need a, a good veteran player um, on that team, whether it would be, you know, a veteran center or something like that, um, that, that could really help them out. I don't know. I think they're okay. Uh, overall, I think they'll be all right, but... Yeah, I'll back off that one. I'll, I'll stay away from the Pelicans because the more I think about it, yeah, maybe maybe McCollum really gives them a boost uh, for the Blazers tomorrow. Um, what else do we got here? We got the the Jazz. They'll be on the road uh, at Boston. I think they're laying too many points. That line's four and a half. Uh, I would knee jerk reaction first first thought would be go ahead play Boston. Seems like Utah's been struggling a little bit. And I like the fact that Marcus Smart's back now for Boston. So, you know, they they were kind of getting, you know, run through the mill there for, I don't know, a couple of weeks there because they, they just weren't playing. They weren't playing well. Um, I, I like the fact that they're at home. I don't know, man. What do you make of Utah? You think they'll come into this game, you know, highly motivated? Um, I would think that they would just because it's a, a TV game coming on TNT uh, with their, like, you know, Tuesday showcase. And, you know, with them, you know, being playing like a 500 ball, you know, over their last 10 games, going five and five straight up, but not meeting the expectations against the spread going four and six. Now, they have played about six, you know, pretty decent and or better, you know, playoff teams during that stretch. But something just, you know, um, watching them, you know, lose their last game against the Warriors is something kind of um, – gave me like an idea about Utah lately since, you know, um, they're not a team that's, you know, a custom of, you know, being, you know, the number one seed or pretty much considered, you know, a favorite or talked about as much as they've been, you know, talked about going into the break. And I just wonder if, you know, the, the pressure or the weight of the expectations of, you know, everything that comes with that spot is, you know, kind of, you know, kind of weighing, kind of weighing in on them because, you know, they just haven't been, you know, as as dominant as they've been before. They started getting a lot of attention, you know, on the defensive end. Um, you know, they still don't have a problem scoring the ball, but they were really locking down, you know, teams on that on the defensive side, um, pretty much on command or whenever they needed to to separate the game. But just over these, you know, the ten, their last ten games. Um, they really haven't been doing that, and it really showed uh, showed a lot in their last game against the Warriors, um, who really only have uh, one consistent offensive threat night in, night out, with that being Steph Curry. But then you saw other guys, you know, go off like uh, 
uh, Nico Mannion or Andrew Wiggins. Um, now, Andrew Wiggins, a former number one pick, and, you know, he he's had his moments, and he's an 18- to 20-point scorer for his career. But I think in that game against the Jazz, um, you know, he was playing like an all-star or, or better. I think he only missed three or four shots and had more than 25 points. And, you know, haven't really seen too many players, you know, do that to this Jazz defense. So, um, and then you mentioned the Celtics getting Marcus Smart back. You know, I, I really like what he brings to their team. He's kind of like their version of a Draymond Green, but, you know, he has he does have the ability to to shoot the ball and kind of be like that Swiss Army knife that could be a playmaker and, you know, you know, run the point a little bit and probably help Kimball Walker out a little bit because he's not that strong of a defender. And, you know, he's their, you know, he's their pit bull and he's their leader. So, um, you know, I think this is this is his third game back. So he's kind of getting in, you know, rounding back into form a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I would probably have to agree with you, you know, backing, you know, Boston, you know, in this spot, you know, I think you, if you can grab four and a half, you know, why you can, you know, I think that number might start to come down a little bit when it gets closer to game time. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if it came down. Reason being is, you know, Utah being a number one seed and people might not actually be paying attention. The one thing that you and I paid attention to was their road schedule. Uh, I believe what they start out on the road, like February the 26th, and they won't come back off the road until March the 22nd. Uh, they played nine out of 10 on the road uh, after all said and done with this road trip. They did play one home game uh, right smack dab in the middle. That was against the Rockets um, not too long ago. So I don't know, man. I think like the road trip is just, it's a daunting road trip. And with the results that they had in the beginning, that just, I mean, there were a couple teams in there that they should have beat. Like, maybe it was just a, a mental thing to where they were just dreading, you know, being on the road for, you know, a freaking month and only having, like, one day at home. This isn't going to be an easy game for them. So, I, I I actually think that the wrong team is is kind of not favored in this one. Like, Boston getting four and a half to me, just it seems, it seems way too high. Uh, I would certainly go ahead and take the points with Boston. Uh, another game that I actually like here, Philadelphia. Uh, they're going to be minus six against the Knicks. The Knicks played uh, last night. They ended up playing New Jersey and uh, New Jersey. They ended up playing Brooklyn, pushed Brooklyn right to the edge there. But my concern for the Knicks is, that, you know, their best players, they played 40 minutes last night. Now they're going to have to turn right back around against a rested Philly team who Philly has to be, you know, kind of excited that they played as well as they did against the Spurs the other night where they end up winning the game by, you know, 35 points. And that was without Embiid. And you and I, we talked a little bit about that, that, you know, maybe Philly isn't going to struggle as bad as people think with Embiid off the floor. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, the play of Tobias Harris, the play of, you know, Simmons. And, you know, they do have a decent bench. They got guys that can go ahead and step up. But we, we felt like, you know, maybe Philly had – you know, that they've seen enough with, you know, and beat off the floor. And then we talked a little bit about Rivers uh, being able to go ahead and help that team, um, you know, go ahead and boost themselves, you know, as a club just generally and all around. So I don't know how you feel about that one, but, man, I I feel like Philly at minus six um, would be like a – I think that would be like a line where, you know, maybe Philly was coming off of a back-to-back too, but not on a day's rest. 
and not with the results we had from the Knicks last night where they where their starters just went heavy minutes. They went all out. They really wanted to go ahead and beat Brooklyn. They came up short. I would play Philly. Uh, I would lay the six here um, for sure in that game. What do you think about 76ers and Knicks? Yeah, I agree with you with that play as well. Uh, just getting back to, you know, talking about the Knicks with them playing the night against Brooklyn. But, uh, yeah, they were down by as much as 18, but fought all the way back and, you know, pretty much made it a game. And you know, there was a, a possession, you know, one possession away from tying it at the end, you know, on a um, – uh, controversial call or no call against uh, Julius Randle and Kyrie Irving there. You know, they had guys, you know, playing over 40 minutes. You know, they only played eight guys. And, you know, four of them played, you know, 35 minutes or more. And, you know, this is a bad spot with, for New York also. They're, you know, back-to-back with it being their third game in four nights, you know, playing against a, a really good Sixers team, even without him beating. You know, they can still get the job done you know, defensively, and they still have enough offensive firepower uh, between, you know, Simmons when he's attacking the basket and Tobias Harris along with the other shooters that they have, like, you know, Milton and Danny Green and the rest of those guys. Um, So I think this could be, you know, a little bit of a letdown spot for New York as well. All right. Well, I'm kind of glad you agree with me on that one. Um, What else we got here? Uh, What about the Hawks? They're going to lay eight points against the Rockets. Uh, looks right now that that Wood probably is going to end up being doubtful. John Wall's not going to play. Uh, Daniel House, listen, is questionable. You know, we were talking about these teams that we think that are tanking, and we were like, oh, let's go ahead and you know maybe we'll do some alternate line betting and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't feel like I want to use the Rockets here, and I don't know if you would agree with me for this particular game. Is that? One, we have to take the road team, and we have to lay a ton of points. And it's not like, you know, we haven't seen teams go into Houston and blow them out. We just had Boston do it the other day. But I feel like Boston has the offensive firepower, and they have the coaching, and they have the bench. I just don't feel like Atlanta could be like I – I just don't feel like Atlanta on the road could be as dominant as a team like Boston. So – I won't go ahead and do that with with that parlay, but I will give you guys two teams that I think uh, will fit into that alternate line parlay. And if you guys listened to our podcast yesterday, one of the things that Smooth and I were talking about was going ahead and, and laying extra points with these uh, playoff teams against these teams that are potential tanking teams uh, and going ahead and throwing them into a parlay and, and trying to go ahead and find a jumbo payout. Uh, but I won't do that here with, with Atlanta. I'm not sure how you feel about, you know, my theory with that, but, you know, how would you even feel with, you know, Atlanta laying eight on the road, but then let's just say we jacked them up to, you know, laying 15 and a half. Like, do you feel like maybe you would need a team with, you know, better defense, more firepower in order to go ahead and, and potentially plug them into that goofy parlay we were thinking about? Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, um, Atlanta, even though they've been playing a lot better since they've uh, fired their, you know, the coach they started the season with in Lloyd Pierce and now Nate McMillan is taking over. Um, you know, this still is a situation, like you mentioned, you know, a team that hasn't really been that solid, uh, you know, defensively, especially on the road, um, laying a lot of points, you know, to a team that's pretty much lost like 16 or 15 straight ever since Christian Wood's been out. And, you know, they're coming, you know, coming back 
home after they uh well they're having another home game after they just got blown out at home to the Celtics. So they the Rockets could, you know, kind of try to get up and, you know, play harder and compete for this one. Um so given that there's other, you know, there's two other games uh for this on the schedule tomorrow that fit this bill of, you know, uh, tanking teams uh against, you know, uh playoff teams or title contending teams, you know, with the Heat and Cavs and the Lakers and T Wolves, you know, I probably would let that one go. Um, you know, with the Hawks and Rockets as far as playing the alternate line and maybe look to play, you know, a situation where uh look at Trey Young's, you know, player props for uh points and assists to go over, seeing how, you know, John Wall's probably listed as out. Um pretty much all the guards for uh, for Houston will be out as far as Eric Gordon, Wall, Oladipo probably won't play. Uh, so I'll probably look to look at a player prop with uh, Trey Young with his points and assists to go over. You know, we had talked the other day, and I had talked about uh, maybe it was the Rockets. I think it was the Rockets. We went ahead, we used Boston. But I, I didn't look at, at the player totals in that game, but – I had mentioned, I'm like, we might want to be careful going ahead and playing guys, you know, over their point totals or points, rebounds, and assists. That was the one that I was really looking at was the points, rebounds, and assists because I felt like you need four quarters in order to go ahead and achieve, you know, all those numbers. Uh, Unless you, you know, you go out there and you're just absolutely on fire. Um, But, you know, when you're, when you're up 12 points in the, in the, in the first quarter, you know, might they sit you for an extra two minutes in the first quarter? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of possibilities of that. And then as the margin starts to grow, it's like, well, do we really need this guy out on the floor you know, for all these minutes, especially if it's a back-to-back situation? Um, you know, if, you're, if your team's ahead against that Rockets team, I think there's a, there's a high probability, especially on a back-to-back if your team's doing well. Um, and that's even something that maybe you want to consider in live betting too. Um, you know, maybe guy starts out a little bit hot. And maybe the, you know, the total jumps up a little bit more from, from, you know, where it was dropped. Maybe you go ahead and you consider going ahead and playing, um, you know, under points, rebounds and assists. I think that that's probably the best way um, to go ahead and attack them. But I just think that the Rockets defense is so bad, you know, that, that Trey Young, that wouldn't be shocked, you know, if he ends up with double digit assists tomorrow. Um, I, I, I certainly don't think um, that's out of the question. Uh, we have a Bulls game here. They're going to be on the road. Actually, they'll be on, at home. They'll be minus six uh, against the Thunder. We, as of right now, we're just going to skip this game because we, we're not sure who the Thunder are actually going to go ahead and put on the floor. Smooth talked about them uh, yesterday where they put out this lineup that just was somewhat unrecognizable uh, against the Grizzlies. Um, so we'll skip that one. Uh, besides that, what else we got? Uh, we got the Lakers and the T-Wolves, and then we have uh, the Heat and the Cavs. So here's what I'll do, guys. I was talking that we were going to go ahead and we were going to go ahead and lay extra points with uh, teams that are in the playoffs against teams that we think are going to go ahead and potentially tank. So what we'll do here is we'll lay 16.5 with the Lakers, and we'll lay 16.5 with Miami. Uh, I feel like both of those teams can get margin. I know the Lakers are on a back-to-back, but I'm not too worried about that. I think if we go ahead and we plug in 16 and a half, 16 and a half, we're going to end up with like a 10 to one, two team parlay. If things go right, you know, we'll, we'll cash a pretty big ticket. I'm not sure how you feel about that one smooth, but 
I feel like we have two teams that, that kind of fit the bill of the tank. And I also get two teams that I know they could put up points. They could put up margin. They can play defense. Both of those teams will be motivated to go ahead and win. And they're both at home. So I feel like this, this is probably the first time we should go ahead and try our, you know, our little experiment here. How you feel about maybe going ahead and laying the alternate lines with uh, the Lakers and the Heat? Yeah, I like that. Um, only thing that would concern me maybe with the T-Wolves is they have the ability to score, um, but given with the opponent in hand, you know, against the Lakers, um, probably the best defensive team, you know, in the league. Uh, I think they're going to make it tough for them to score, but um, they're in on a back-to-back, but it's not a – a situation where I expect the Lakers to be tired because it's not a third game and fourth, fourth night situation. I wouldn't have a problem going to get going with that, playing the alternate line with the Lakers and Heat. I think one of the things that we have to think about too when it comes to tank and smooth is, let's say, let's just say that 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 is your you know that's your motive. Well, does it look bad when you go out there and you get blown out by the Lakers? No, but does it look bad when you go out there and you get blown out and it's by the Chicago Bulls or? You know, it's by OKC. Um, you know, those games are supposed to be competitive. You're not supposed to get blown out by 30 or 40. So I don't think, you know, that that people will look at, you know, let's just say like the the Cavs and the T-Wolves. You know, they're going up against, you know, they're going up against good ball clubs, quality ball clubs, teams that were in the finals last year. So if they do just go out there and, and they, you know, they, they lay up against those teams, I, I think that those potentially could be, you know, the games that they're least motivated in. I understand there might be a little bit of a target on the back of those teams. But at the same time, you know, if let's just say the brass or the coaching and everybody is in, you know, all in agreement here that we're just going to go ahead and tank, tank the season, that it would be a whole hell of a lot far less suspicious against, you know, two of the best teams in the league to go out there and get blown out. And it's like, ah, right, we got blown out by the best teams in the league. No big deal. Um, I don't know what you think about that theory, but. Like, I feel like this is certainly, like, we have to try it with these two teams. So, um, that's what I'm thinking. Um, you got any closing thoughts where we go and wrap this one up? Um, no, I think we got uh, some some good info out and some good plays. You know, uh going to put our theory to test here uh, with these in this, with these situational spots with uh, tanking teams against contenders. And, you know, we haven't been – this is the first time we'll keep track of them, but you know the games that are uh, that we haven't been keeping track of before this we uh, before tomorrow night they've been doing pretty good. So hopefully this continues uh, the trend tomorrow. You know, taking the Lakers and Heat on the alternate. Yeah, I figure maybe we do. You know, maybe we try at least five and see how we make out. I think the beauty of it is is that we only have to hit one out of five and we're going to end up doubling our money. So we, we do have to go on somewhat of a, somewhat of a cold run or, you know, go over five and be like, ah, forget it. You know, you don't want to invest any more money into that theory. But you know, the fact that, the, that we're getting like 10 to one, 12 to one payouts on some of these, um, you know, it, it makes it rather interesting. So uh, we'll give it a shot. You know, we'll, maybe we'll throw five parlays together, lay the alternates with, you know, teams that we think that will, you know, probably go out there and put put a beating on you know some of these tanking teams but we'll go ahead and we'll see how that all works out uh what we'll do tomorrow guys smooth and i 
Uh, we're going to preview a 5-12 matchup for the NCAA tournament. Uh, right now we're gathering up all our notes, all our news, and all the things that we think are going to be important uh, in that particular game. I don't want to tell you who that game is. You guys are going to have to go ahead and tune in tomorrow. But uh, I have a feeling we have a... I have a feeling we have a hot one uh, coming your way. So, with that said, you guys can find me on Twitter, SoupyJ underscore pregame. You, go ahead and tw- you guys go ahead and get Smooth on Twitter as well, at Smooth underscore 702. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on your Tuesday. Enjoy the games. <laughs>